Part Two, Chapter Ten of the History of the Devil. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rick Vina. The History of the Devil by Daniel Defoe. Part Two, Chapter Ten, of the various methods the devil takes to converse with mankind. Having spoken something of persons, and particularly of such as the devil thinks fit to employ in his affairs in the world, it comes next, of course, to say something of the manner how he communicates his mind to them, and by them to the rest of his acquaintance in the world. I take the devil to be under great difficulties in his affairs on his part, especially occasioned by the bounds which are set him, or which policies oblige him to set to himself in his access to the conversing with mankind. Tis evident he is not permitted to fall upon them with force and arms, that is to say, to muster up his infernal troops, and attack them with fire and sword. If he was not loose to act in this manner, as he was able, by his own seraphic power, to have destroyed the whole race, and even the earth they dwelt upon, so he would certainly, and long ago have effectually done it. His particular interests and inclinations are well enough known. But in the next place, as he is thus restrained from violence, so prudentials restrain him in all his other actings with mankind, and being confined to stratagem and soft, still methods such as persuasion, allurement, feeding the appetite, prompting, and then gratifying corrupt desires and the like, he finds it for his purpose not to appear in person, except very rarely, and then in disguise, but to act all the rest in the dark, under the visor of art and craft, making use of persons and methods concealed, or at least not fully understood or discovered. As to the persons whom he employs, I have taken some pains, you see, to discover some of them, but the methods he uses with them, either to inform and instruct and give orders to them, or to converse with other people by them, these are very particular, and deserve some place in our memoirs, particularly as they may serve to remove some of our mistakes, and to take off some of the frightful ideas we are apt to entertain in prejudice of this great manager, as if he was no more to be matched in his politics than he would be to be matched in his power, if it was let loose, which is so much a mistake, that on the contrary we read of several people that have abused and cheated the devil, a thing which I cannot say is very honest nor just notwithstanding the old latin proverb falere falentem non est fraus which men construe or rather render by way of banter upon satan tis no sin to cheat the devil which for all that upon the whole i deny and allege that let the devil act how he will by us we ought to deal fairly by him. But to come to the business, without circumlocutions, I am to inquire how Satan issues out his orders, gives his instructions, and fully delivers his mind to his emissaries, of whom I have mentioned some in the title to chapter 9. In order to this, you must form an idea of the devil, sitting in great state, 
in open campaign with all his legions about him in the height of the atmosphere or if you will at a certain distance from the atmosphere and above it that the plan of his encampment might not be hurried round its own axis with the earth's diurnal motion which might be some disturbance to him by this fixed situation the earth performing its rotation he has every part and parcel of it brought to a direct opposition to him and consequently to his view once in twenty-four hours the last time i was there if i remember right he had this quarter of the world which we call christendom just under his eye and as the motion is not so swift but that his piercing optics can take a strict view of it en passant for the circumference of it being but twenty-one thousand miles and its circular motion being full twenty-four hours performing he has something more than an hour to view every thousand miles which to his supernatural penetration is not worth naming as he takes thus a daily view of all the circle and an hourly view of the parts he is fully master of all transactions at least such as are done above board by all mankind and then he dispatches his emissaries or aides-de-camp to every part with his orders and instructions now these emissaries you are to understand are not the witches and diviners who i spoke of above for i call them also emissaries but they are all devils or as you know they are called devils angels and these may perhaps come and converse personally with the sub-emissaries i mentioned to be ready for their support and assistance on all occasions of business these are those devils which the witches are said to raise for we can hardly suppose the master devil comes himself at the summons of every ugly old woman these run about into every nook and corner wherever satan's business calls them and are never wanting to him but are the most diligent devils imaginable like the turkish chayus they no sooner receive their errand but they execute it with the utmost alacrity and as to their speed it may be truly written as a motto upon the head of every individual devil non indiget calcaribus these are those who they tell us are witches sorcerers wizards and such sorts of folks converse freely with and are therefore called their familiars and as they tell us come to them in human shapes talk to them with articulate plain voices as if men and that yet the said witches etc know them to be devils history has not yet enlightened us in this part of useful knowledge or at least not sufficiently for a description of the persons or habits of these sorts of appearances as what shapes they take up what language they speak and what particular works they perform so we must refer it to farther inquiry but if we may credit history we are told many famous stories of these appearances for example the famous mother lackland who was burnt for a witch at ipswich anno 1646 confessed at the time of her execution or a little before it that she had frequent conversation with the devil himself that she being very poor and withal of a devilish passionate cruel and revengeful disposition before used to wish she had it in her power to do such and such mischievous things 
to some that she hated, and that the devil himself, who it seems knew her temper, came to her one night as she lay in her bed, and was between sleeping and waking, and speaking in a deep, hollow voice, told her, if she would serve him in some things he would employ her to do, she should have her will of all her enemies, and should want for nothing. That she was much afraid at first, but that he, soliciting her very often, bade her not be afraid of him, and still urged her to yield, and as she says, struck his claw into her hand, and though it did not hurt her, made it bleed, and with the blood wrote the covenants, that is to say, the bargain between them, being asked what was in them, and whether he required her to curse or deny God or Christ? She said no. Nota bene. I do not find she told them whether the devil wrote it with a pen, or whether on paper or parchment, nor whether she signed it or no, but it seems he carried it away with him. I suppose, if Satan's register were examined, it might be found among the archives of hell, the rolls of his acta publica, and when his historiographer, Royal, publishes them, we may look for it among them. Then he furnished her with three devils to wait upon her, I suppose, for she confessed they were to be employed in her service. They attended in the shapes of two little dogs and a mole. The first she bewitched was her own husband, by which he lay a while in great misery and died. Then she sent to one Captain Beale, and burnt a new ship of his just built, which had never been at sea. These and many other horrid things she did and confessed, and having been twenty years a witch, at last the devil left her, and she was burnt as she deserved. That some extraordinary occasions may bring these agents of the devil, nay, sometimes the devil himself, to assume human shapes, and appear to other people, we cannot doubt. He did thus, in the case of our Saviour, as a tempter, and some think he did so to Manasses, as a familiar, who the scripture charges with sorcery, and having a familiar or devil. Fame tells us that St. Dunstan frequently conversed with him, and finally, took him by the nose, and so of others. But in these modern ages of the world, he finds it much more to his purpose to work underground, as I have observed, and to keep upon the reserve, so that we have no authentic accounts of his personal appearance, but what are very ancient or very remote from our faith as well as our inquiry. It seems to be a question that would bear some debating, whether all apparitions are not devils, or from the devil. But there being so many of those apparitions which we call spirits, which really assume shapes and make appearances in the world, upon such accounts, as we know, Satan himself scorns to be employed in that I must dismiss the question in favor of the devil, assuring them that as he never willingly did any good in his life, so he would be far from giving himself the trouble of setting one foot into the world on such an errand. And for that reason, we may be assured those certain apparitions which we are told came to detect a murder in Gloucestershire, and others who appeared to prevent the ruining an orphan for want or finding a deed that was not lost, was certainly some other power equally concerned, and not the devil. 
on the other hand neither will it follow that satan never appears in human shape for though every apparition may not be the devil yet it does not follow that the devil never makes an apparition all i shall say to it is as i have mentioned before that generally speaking the devil finds it more for his purpose to have his interest in the world propagated another way namely in private and his personal appearances are reserved for things only of extraordinary consequence and as i may say of evident necessity where his honour is concerned and where his interest could be carried on no other way not forgetting to take notice that this is very seldom it remains to inquire what then those things are which we make so much stir about and which are called apparitions or spirits assuming human shapes and showing themselves to people on particular occasions whether they are evil spirits or good and though indeed this is out of my way at this time and does not relate at all to the devil's history yet i thought it not amiss to mention it one because as i have said i do not wholly exclude satan from all concern in such things and two because i shall dismiss the question with so very short an answer namely that we may determine which are and which are not the devils by the errand they come upon every one to his own business if it comes of a good errand you may certainly acquit the devil of it conclude him innocent and that he has no hand in it if it comes of a wicked and devilish errand you may even take him up upon suspicion tis ten to one but you find him at the bottom of it next to apparitions we find mankind disturbed by abundance of little odd reserved ways which the devil is shrewdly suspected of having a hand in such as dreams noises voices etc smells of brimstone candles burning blue and the like as to dreams i have nothing to say in satan's prejudice at all there i make no question but he deals very much in that kind of intelligence and why should he not we know heaven itself formerly conversed very often with the greatest of men by the same method and the devil is known to mimic the methods as well as the actions of his maker whether heaven has not quite left off that way of working we are not certain but we pretty well know the devil has not left it and i believe some instances may be given where his worship has been really seen and talked to in sleep as much as if the person had been awake with his eyes open these are to be distinguished too pretty much by the goodness or badness of the subject how often have men committed murder robbery and adultery in a dream and at the same time except an extraordinary agitation of the soul and expressed by extraordinary noises in the sleep by violent sweating and other such ways the head has never been removed from the pillow or the body so much as turned in the bed whether in such cases the soul with all the passions and affections being agitated and giving their full assent to the facts of whatever kind soever the man is not as guilty as if the sins so dreamed of his committing had been actually committed though it be no doubt to me but that it is so yet as it is foreign to the present affair 
and not at all relating to the devil's history i leave it to the reverend doctors of the church as properly belonging to them to decide i knew a person who the devil so haunted with naked women fine beautiful ladies in bed with him and ladies of his acquaintance too offering their favours to him and all in his sleep so that he seldom slept without some such entertainment the particulars are too gross for my story but he gave me several long accounts of his night's amours and being a man of a virtuous life and good morals it was the greatest surprise to him imaginable for you cannot doubt but that the cunning devil made everything be acted to the life with him and in a manner the most wicked he owned with grief to me that the very first attack the devil made upon him was with a very beautiful lady of his acquaintance who he had been really something freer than ordinary with in their common conversation this lady he brought to him in a posture for wickedness and wrought up his inclination so high in his sleep that he as he thought actually went about to debauch her she not at all resisting but that he waked in the very moment to his particular satisfaction he was greatly concerned at this part namely that he really gave the consent of his will to the fact and wanted to know if he was not as guilty of adultery as if he had lain with her indeed he decided the question against himself so forcibly that i who was of the same opinion before had nothing to say against it however i confirmed him in it by asking him these questions one whether he did not think the devil had the chief hand in such a dream he answered it could certainly be nobody else it must be the devil two i then asked him what reason the devil could have for it if his consent to the fact in sleep had not been criminal that's true indeed says he i am answered but then he asked another question which i confess is not so easy to answer namely how he should prevent being served so again nor could all my divinity or his own keep the devil from attacking him again on the other hand as i have said he worried him to that degree that he injured his health bringing naked women to him sometimes one sometimes another sometimes in one posture of lewdness sometimes in another sometimes into his very arms sometimes with such additions as i am not merry enough and sometimes such as i am not wicked enough to put into your heads the man indeed could not help it and so the devil was more faulty than he but as i hinted to him he might bring his mind to such a stated habit of virtue as to prevent its assenting to any wicked motion even in sleep and that would be the way to put an end to the attempt and this advice he relished very well and practised i believe with success by this same method the same devil injects powerful incentives to other crimes provokes avarice by laying a great quantity of gold in your view and nobody present giving you an opportunity to steal it or some of it at the same time perhaps knowing your circumstances to be such as that you are at that time in a great want of the money i knew another who being a tradesman and in great distress for money in his business dreamed 
that he was walking all alone in a great wood, and that he met a little child with a bag of gold in its hand, and a fine necklace of diamonds on its neck. Upon the sight, his wants presently dictated to him to rob the child, the little innocent creature, just so he dreamed, not being able to resist, or to tell who it was. Accordingly, he consented to take the money from the child, and then to take the diamond necklace from it too, and did so. But the devil, a full testimony as I told him, that it was the devil, not contented with that, hinted to him that perhaps the child might some time or other know him, and single him out, by crying or pointing, or some such thing, especially if he was suspected and shewed to it, and therefore it would be better for him to kill the child, prompting him to kill it for his own safety, and that he need do no more but twist the neck of it a little, or crush it with his knee. He told me he stood debating with himself whether he should do so or not, but that in that instant his heart struck him with the word murder, and he entertained a horror of it, refused to do it, and immediately waked. He told me that when he waked, he found himself in so violent a sweat as he never had known the like, that his pulse beat with that heat and rage, that it was like a palpitation of the heart to him, and that the agitation of his spirits was such that he was not fully composed in some hours, though the satisfaction and joy that attended him when he found it was but a dream, assisted much to return his spirits to their due temperament. It is neither my business or inclination to turn divine here, nor is the age I write to sufficiently grave to relish a sermon, if I was disposed to preach, though they must allow the subject would very well bear it but I shall only ask them, if they think this is not the devil, what they think it is. If they believe it is the devil, they will act accordingly, I hope, or let it alone, as Satan and they can agree about it. I should not oblige the devil overmuch, whatever I might do to those that read it, if I should enter here upon a debate of interests that is to say, to inquire whether the devil has not a vast advantage upon mankind this way, and whether it is not much his interest to preserve it, and if I prove the affirmative, I leave it to you to inquire whose interest it is to disappoint and supplant him. In short, I take dreams to be the second best of the advantages the devil has over mankind. The first, I suppose, you all know, that is to say, the treachery of the garrison within. By dreams he may be said to get into the inside of us without opposition. Here he opens and locks without a key, and like an enemy, laying siege to a fortified city, reason and nature, the governor of the city, keep him out by day, and keep the garrison true to their duty. But in the dark he gets in, and parleys with the garrison, the affections and passions, debauches their loyalty, stirring up them to disloyalty and rebellion so they betray their trust, revolt, mutiny, and go over to the besieger. Thus he manages his interest, I say, and insinuates himself into the inside of us, without our consent, 
nay, without our knowledge, for whatever speculation may do, tis evident demonstration does not assist us to discover which way he gets access to the soul, while the organ, tied up and dozed with sleep, has locked it up from action. That it is so is clear, but how he does it is a secret which I do not find the ancients or moderns have yet made a discovery of. The devil of a creature, Mother Lackland, whose story I mentioned above, acknowledged that the first time the devil attempted to draw her in to be a witch was in a dream, and even when she consented, she said, she was between sleeping and waking. That is, she did not know whether she was awake or asleep, and the cunning devil, it seems, was satisfied with her assent given so, when she was asleep, or neither asleep or awake, so taking the advantage of her incapacity to act rationally. The stories of her bewitching several people, and the manner in which they died, are so formidable and extravagant that I care not to put any one's faith to the stretch about them, though published by authority and testified by abundance of witnesses, but this is recorded in particular and to my purpose, whether from her own mouth or not, I do not say, namely, the description of a witch and the difference between witches and those other of Satan's acquaintance who act in his name. 1. They have consulted and covenanted with a spirit or devil. 2. They have a deputy devil, sometimes several, to serve and assist them. 3. These they employ as they please, call them by name, and command their appearance in whatever shape they think fit. 4. They send them abroad, to or into, the persons who they design to bewitch, who they always torment, and often murder them, as Mother Lackland did several. As to the difference between the several devils that appear, it relates to the office of the persons who employ them, as conjurers who seem to command the particular devil that waits upon them with more authority, and raise them and lay them at pleasure, drawing circles, casting figures, and the like. But the witch, in a more familiar manner, whispers with the devil, keeps the devil in a bag or a sack, sometimes in her pocket, and the like, and like Mr. Foe, shows tricks with him. But all these kinds deal much in dreams, talk with the devil in their sleep, and make other people talk with him in their sleep too, and tis on this occasion I mention it here. In short, the devil may well take this opportunity with mankind, for not half the world that came into his measures would comply if they were awake, but of that hereafter. And yet, his thus insinuating himself by dream does not seem sufficient, in my opinion, to answer the devil's end, and to carry on his business, and therefore we must be forced to allow him a kind of actual possession in particular cases, and that in the souls of some people, by different methods from others, Luther is of the opinion that the devil gets a familiarity with some souls, just at, or rather before, their being embodied. As to the manner and method how he gets in, that is another question, and may be spoken of by itself. Besides, why may not he, that at Satan's request 
to enter into the herd of swine, said Go, give the same commission to possess a sort of creatures so many degrees below the dignity of the Gadaranian swine, and open the door too. But as for that, when our Lord said Go, the devil never inquired which way he should get in. When then I see nations, or indeed herds of nations, set on fire of hell, and as I may say, inflamed by the devil, when I see towns, parties, factions, and rabbles of people, visibly possessed, tis enough to me that the great master of the devils has said to him, Go. There's no need to inquire which way he finds open, or at what postern gate he gets in. As to his appearing, tis plain he often gets in without appearing, and therefore the question about his appearing still remains a doubt, and is not very easy to be resolved. In the scripture we have some light into it, and that is all the help I find from antiquity, and it goes a great way to solve the phenomena of Satan's appearing. What I mean by the scripture giving some light to it is this. Tis said in several places, and of several persons, God came to them in a dream. Genesis 23. God came to Abimelech in a dream by night. Genesis 31.24 And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream. Matthew 2.13 The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Short comments are sufficient to plain texts. Applying this to my friend, when he wanted to be satisfied about the how, relating to his dream, that is to say, how he should come to dream such wicked things. I told him, in short, the case was plain. The devil came to him in a dream by night. How and in what manner he formed the wicked representations and spread debauched appearances before his fancy, by real whispers and voice, according to Milton, or by what other methods, the learned are not arrived to any certainty about it. This leads me necessarily to inquire whether the devil or some of his agents are not always in our company, whether they make any visible appearances or no. For my part, I make no question of it. How else could he come at the knowledge of what we do? For as I can allow him no prescience at all, as for many reasons I have observed already, he must be able to see and know us, and what we are about when we know nothing of him. Or else he could know nothing of us and our affairs, which yet we find otherwise, and this gives him infinite advantage to influence our actions, to judge of our inclinations, and to bring our passions to clash with our reason, as they often do, and get the better of it too. All this he obtains by his being able to walk about invisible, and see when he is not seen, of which I have spoken already. Hence, that most wise and solid suggestion, that when the candles burn blue, the devil is in the room, which great secret in nature, that you may more fully be convinced of its imaginary reality, I must tell you the following story, which I saw in a letter directed to a particular friend. Take it word for word, as in the letter, because I do not make myself accountable for the facts, but take them ad referendum, 
sir we had one day very early in the morning and for the most part of the day a great deal of rain with a high wind and the clouds very thick and dark all day in the evening the cloudy thick weather continued though not the rain when being at a friend's house in blank lane london and several ladies and some gentlemen in the room besides two or three servants for we had been eating the following interlude happened for our entertainment when the cloth was taken away two large candles were brought upon the table and placed there with some bottles and glasses for the gentlemen who it seems were intending to drink and be very merry two large wax candles were also set on another table the ladies being going to cards also there were two large candles in sconces over or near the chimney and one more in a looking-glass sconce on a pier by the window with all this apparatus the company separating sat down the gentlemen at their table and the ladies at theirs to play as above when after some time the gentlemen of the house said hastily to a servant what a p blank ails the candles and turning to the servant raps out an oath or two and bids him snuff the candles for they burnt as if the devil was in the room the fellow going to snuff one of the candles snuffs it out at which his master being in a passion the fellow lights it again immediately at the other candle and then being in a little hurry going to snuff the other candle snuffed that out too the first candle that was relighted as is usual in such cases burned dim and dull for a good while and the other being out the room was much darker than before and a wench that stood by the lady's table bawls out to her mistress law madam the candles burn blue an old lady that sat by says ay betty so they do upon this one of the ladies starts up mercy upon us says she what is the matter in this unlucky moment another servant without orders went to the great pier sconce and because as he thought he would be sure to snuff the candle well he offers to take it down but very unhappily i say the hook came out and down falls the sconce candle and all and the looking-glass broke all to pieces with a horrible noise however the candle falling out of the sconce did not go out but lay on the floor burning dully and as it is usual on such cases all on one side betty cries out again law madam that candle burns blue too the very moment she said this the footman that had thrown down the sconce says to his fellow-servant that came to his assistance i think the devil is in the candles to-night and away he run out of the room for fear of his master the old lady who upon the maid betty's notion of the candles burning blue had her head just full of that old chimney-corner story the candles burn blue when the spirits are in the room heard the footman say the word devil but heard nothing else of what he said upon this she rises up in a terrible fright and cries out that the footman said the devil was in the room as she was indeed frighted out of her wits she frighted the ladies most terribly 
and they all starting up together, down goes the card table, and put the wax candles out. Mrs. Betty, that had frighted them all, runs to the sconce next the chimney, but that, having a long snuff, she cried out, it burnt blue too, and she durst not touch it. In short, though there were three candles left still burning in the room, yet the ladies were all so frighted that they and the maids too run out of the parlour screaming like mad folks. The master, in a rage, kicked his first man out of the room, and the second man was run out to avoid, as I said before, the like, so that no servant was to be had, but all was in confusion. The two other gentlemen, who were sitting at the first table, kept their seats composed and easy enough, only concerned to see all the house in such a fright. It was true, they said, the candles burnt dim, and very oddly, but they could not perceive they burnt blue, except one of those over the chimney, and that on the table, which was relighted after the fellow had snuffed it out. However, the maid, the old lady, and the footman that pulled down the sconce all insist that the candles burnt blue, and all pretend that the devil was certainly in the room and was the occasion of it. And they now came to me with the story, to desire my opinion of it. This put me upon inquiry into the notion of candles burning blue when spirits are in a room, which upon all the search into things that I am able to make amounts to no more than this, that upon any extraordinary emission of sulfurous or of nitrous particles, either in a closed room or in any not very open place, if the quantity be great, a candle or a lamp or any such little blaze of fire will seem to be or to burn blue. And if then they can prove that any such effluvia attends or is emitted from a spirit, then when Satan is at hand, it may be so. But then, tis begging the question grossly, because no man can assure us that the devil has any sulfurious particles about him. It is true, the candles burn thus in mines and vaults and damp places, and tis as true that they will do so upon occasion of very damp stormy and moist air, when an extraordinary quantity of vapours are supposed to be dispersed abroad, as was the case when this happened, and if there was any thing of that in it on that Monday night, the candles might, perhaps, burn blue upon that occasion, but that the devil was abroad upon any extraordinary business that night, that I cannot grant, unless I have some better testimony than the old lady that heard the footman's outcry, but by halves, or than Mrs. Betty, who first fancied the candles burnt blue. So I must suspend my judgment till I hear farther. This story, however, may solve a great many of those things which pass for apparitions in the world, and which are laid to the devil's charge, though he really may know nothing of the matter. And this would bring me to defend Satan in many things, wherein he may truly be said to suffer wrongfully, and if I thought it would oblige him, I might say something to his advantage this way. However, I'll venture a word or two for an injured devil. Take it as you will. First, it is certain that as this invisibility of the devil is very much to our prejudice, 
so the doctrine of his visibility is a great prejudice to him as we make use of it by his invisibility he is certainly vested with infinite advantages against us while he can be present with us and we know nothing of the matter he informs himself of all our measures and arms himself in the best and most suitable manner to injure and assault us as he can counteract all our secret concerted designs disappoint all our schemes and except when heaven apparently concerns itself to overrule him can defeat all our enterprises break all our measures and do us mischief in almost every part of our life and all this because we are not privy to all his motions as he is to ours but now for his visibility and his real appearance in the world and particularly among his disciples and emissaries such as witches and wizards demoniasts and the like here i think satan has a great deal of loss suffers manifest injury and has great injustice done him and that therefore i ought to clear this matter up a little if it be possible to do justice to satan and set matters right in the world about him according to that useful old maxim of setting the saddle upon the right horse or giving the devil his due first as i have said we are not to believe every idle head who pretends even to converse face to face with the devil and who tells us they have thus seen him and been acquainted with him every day many of these pretenders are manifest cheats and however they would have the honour of a private interest in him and boast how they have him at their beck can call him this way and send him that as they please raise him and lay him when and how and as often as they find for their purpose i say whatever boasts they make of this kind they really have nothing of truth in them now the injuries and injustice done to the devil in these cases are manifest namely that they entitle the devil to all the mischief they are pleased to do in the world and if they commit a murder or a robbery fire a house or do any act of violence in the world they presently are said to do it by the agency of the devil and the devil helps them so satan bears the reproach and they have all the guilt this is one a grand cheat upon the world and two a notorious slander upon the devil and it would be a public benefit to mankind to have such would-be devils as these turned inside out that we might know when the devil was really at work among us and when not what mischiefs were of his doing and which were not and that these fellows might not slip their necks out of the halter by continually laying the blame of their wickedness upon the devil not that the devil is not very willing to have his hand in any mischief or in all the mischief that is done in the world but there are some low prized rogueries that are too little for him beneath the dignity of his operation in which tis really a scandal to the devil to charge upon him i remember the devil had such a cheat put upon him in east smithfield once where a person pretended to converse with the devil face to face and that in open day too and to cause him to tell fortunes foretell good and evil 
etc. Discover stolen goods. Tell where they were, who stole them, and how to find them again. Nay, and even to find out the thieves. But Satan was really slandered in the case. The fellow had no more to do with the devil than other people, and perhaps not so much neither. This was one of those they called cunning men, or at least he endeavored to pass for such a one. But twas all a cheat. Besides, what had the devil to do to detect thieves and restore stolen goods? Thieving and robbing, trick and cheat, are part of the craft of his agency, and of the employments which it is his business to encourage. They greatly mistake him, who think he will assist any body in suppressing and detecting such laudable arts and such diligent servants. I won't say, but the devil, to draw these people we call cunning men into a snare and to push on his farther designs, may encourage them privately, and in a manner that they themselves know nothing of, to make use of his name, and abuse the world about him, till at last they may really believe they do deal with the devil, when indeed tis only he deals with them, and they know nothing of the matter. In other cases, he may encourage them in these little frauds and cheats, and give them leave, as above, to make use of his name, to bring them afterwards, and by degrees, to have a real acquaintance with him, so bringing the jest of their trade into earnest, till at length prompting them to commit some great villainy, he secures them to be his own by their very fear of his leaving them to be exposed to the world. Thus he puts a Jonathan Wild upon them, and makes them be the very wretches they only pretended to be before. So old Parsons of Clithrow, as fame tells him, was twenty-five years a cunning man, and twenty-two years a witch, that is to say, for five and twenty years he was only pretending to deal with the devil, when Satan and he had no manner of acquaintance, and he only put his leisure the man upon the people in the devil's name, without his leave. But at length, the devil's patience being tired quite out, he told the old counterfeit that in short, he had been his stalking horse long enough, and that now, if he thought fit to enter himself and take a commission, well and good, and he should have a lease to carry on his trade for so many years more, to his heart's content. But if not, he would expose his knavery to the world, for that he should take away his people's trade no longer, but that he, Satan would set up another in his room that should make a mere fool of him and carry away all his customers. Upon this, the old man considered of it, took the devil's counsel, and listed in his pay. So he that had played his pranks twenty-five years as a conjurer, when he was no conjurer, was then forced really to deal with the devil, for fear the people should know he did not. Till now he had ambodexter, cheated the devil on one hand and the people on the other, but the devil gained his point at last, and so he was a real wizard ever after. But this is not the only way the devil is injured neither for we have often found people pretend upon him in other cases, and have nearer concern to him a great deal, and in articles more weighty, as in particular in the great business of possession. It is true this point 
is not thoroughly understood among men neither has the devil thought fit to give us those illuminations about it as i believe he might do particularly that great and important article is not for aught i can see rightly explained namely whether there are not two several kinds of possession that is to say some wherein the devil possesses us and some in which we really possess the devil the nicety of which i doubt this age with all its penetration is not qualified to explain and a dissertation upon it being too long for this work especially so near its conclusion i am obliged to admit as i am also all the practical discourses upon the usefulness and advantages of real possession whether considered one way or other to mankind all which i must leave to hereafter but to come back to the point in hand and to consider the injustice done to the devil in the various turns and tricks which men put upon him very often in this one article that is to say pretending to possession and to have the devil in them when really it is not so certainly the devil must take it very ill to have all their demented lunatic tricks charged upon him some of which nay most of which are so gross so simple so empty and so little to the purpose that the devil must be ashamed to see such things pass in his name or that the world should think he was concerned in them it is true that possession being one of the principal pieces of the devil's artifice in his managing mankind and in which with the most exquisite skill he plays the devil among us he has the more reason to be affronted when he finds himself invaded in this part and angry that any body should pretend to possess or be possessed without his leave and this may be the reason for aught we know why so many blunders have been made when people have pretended to it without him and he has thought fit not to own them in it of which we have many examples in history as in simon magus the devil of london the fair maid of kent and several others whose history it is not worth while to enlarge upon in short possessions as i have said are nice things as it is not so easy to mimic the devil in that part as it may be in some other designing men have attempted it often but their manner has been easily distinguished even without the devil's assistance thus the people of salem in new england pretended to be bewitched and that a black man tormented them by the instigation of such and such whom they resolved to bring to the gallows this black man they would have be the devil employed by the person who they accused for a witch thus making the devil a page or a footman to the wizard to go and torment whoever the said wizard commanded till the devil himself was so weary of the foolish part that he left them to go on their own way and at last they overacted the murdering part so far that when they confessed themselves to be witches and possessed and that they had correspondence with the devil satan not appearing to vouch for them no jury would condemn them upon their own evidence and they could not get themselves hanged whatever pains they took to bring it to pass thus you see the devil may be wronged and falsely accused in many particulars and often has been so there are likewise some other sorts of counterfeit devils in the world 
such as gypsies, fortune-tellers, foretellers of good and bad luck, sellers of winds, raisers of storms, and many more, some practiced among us, some in foreign parts, too many almost to reckon up. Nay, I almost doubt whether the devil himself knows all the sorts of them, for tis evident he has little or nothing to do with them. I mean, not in the way of their craft. These I take to be interlopers, or with the guinea merchants leave, separate traders, and who act under the screen and protection of Satan's power, but without his license or authority. No doubt these carry away a great deal of his trade, that is to say, the trade which otherwise the devil might have carried on by agents or his own. I cannot but say that while these people would fain be thought devils, though they really are not, it is but just they should be really made as much devils as they pretended to be, or that Satan should do himself justice upon them, as he threatened to do upon old parsons of Clithrow, above mentioned, and let the world know them. End of History of the Devil Part 2 Chapter 10